This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders. Do you have any idols? That may sound like a ridiculous question, but is it really? What do you really believe? Where do you find your sense of purpose, your security, your motivation in life? Where do you focus your attention? Carefully considering your answer to these questions can help you learn where your loyalties lie. Please continue to listen as we talk about modern-day idols in our message, The Contest of Gods. If God were in a contest, would he win? I suppose it depends on who you believe God is and what he is able to do. Today on this Reformation Sunday, we want to visit Mount Carmel and a contest between the gods of Baal and Yahweh, the Lord our God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we worship together today and look into this Old Testament story of your revealed power, strengthen our faith and renew our commitment to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's scripture is recorded in 1 Kings 18, beginning with verse 19. Elijah said to Ahab, Send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel, together with 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now let them give us two oxen, let them choose one ox for themselves, and cut it up, and put it on the wood, and put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox, and lay it on the wood, and I will not put fire under it. Then you call in the name of your God, and I will call in the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, that is a good idea. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one ox for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call in the name of the Lord your God, but put no fire under it. Then they took the ox which was given them, and they prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they leaped, dancing, about the altar which they had made. It came about at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Call out with a loud voice, for he is a god. Either he's occupied or gone aside, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. So they cried with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom, with swords and lances, until the blood gushed out on them. When midday was past, they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near me. So all the people came near him. He repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the twelve tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. So the stones 
he used to build an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood and cut the ox in pieces and laid it on the wood. He said, Fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Do it a second time. They did it a second time. Do it a third time. They did it a third time. The water flowed around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant. I've done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench, and all the people saw it. They fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Our message this week takes a trip to Mount Carmel in Israel in a contest of gods between Baal of the Canaanites and Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, and the prophet Elijah. It's the type of story that leaves us asking, what is it that we really believe? Where do we derive our security and purpose and motivation in life? Where is the pure object of our affection focused. I might also ask as we begin, do you have any idols? There was a doctor of theology teaching world religion at a university who made a mission trip to India. While he was there, he met and befriended a local fellow who was a Buddhist. This man was very friendly and took the doctor around, showing him the sights and helping him become acquainted. One day he took the doctor to a Buddhist temple. When the doctor walked in, he was amazed at all the strange, peculiar statues lining the walls of the temple, each one representing a different god. Then he felt a little poke in his side, and his newfound friend gestured toward one of the statues, saying, See that one? You recognize that one, don't you? That's your God. And the doctor of theology looked up to see a statue of Jesus on the cross, as if Jesus were just one God among all the gods. In that man's mind, though well-intended, he believed that you could be Buddhist and Christian. You could worship whatever God you wanted, or as many as you wanted. We have heard often in our lives it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe it and confess it sincerely. And we live in a culture and a time that says all truth is relative to the individual's perception and conviction. But I don't believe that. I believe in a beautiful way that the God of the world, the God of life, has revealed his heart and love to us in his Son, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross to bring us back into a relationship with himself, though we were sinners, and by the resurrection of Jesus gives us eternal life and invites us to repent, turn our hearts back to him, and to confess our faith in him as our God. So Elijah 
at Mount Carmel prays this prayer. Lord, by your power, show that you are God and that we are your servants and turn the hearts of your people back to you. So in our story, the Message Bible describes King Ahab and Queen Jezebel as the new champions of evil in their time. They not only promoted the worship of the idols Baal and Asherah, but they hunted down and killed God's prophets trying to eradicate faith in Yahweh. They especially hated Elijah. They searched every inch of their kingdom. They even threatened neighboring kings who might hide him. They treated Elijah like the number one criminal of the world. They wanted the prophet Elijah dead. After three years of drought, with God telling Elijah to hide from Ahab, now God told Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab. In that context of threat and danger, Elijah boldly walks into the palace and issues this challenge to Ahab and the priests of Baal that they have a contest on Mount Carmel and may the best God, the real God, the God of power and glory, would win. So the priests of Baal go first, and the gods offer their ox as a sacrifice. And from morning till noon they pray, louder and louder they pray, dancing around the altar of sacrifice. Baal, hear us, they say. Elijah begins to mock them. Is God meditating? Is he too busy, indisposed, on vacation? Perhaps he's sleeping. Cry out louder. The louder they danced, they cut themselves with knives so they bled, and they hollered louder and louder, but nothing but silence was the response. After literally all day, Elijah stepped forward, poured barrels and barrels of water over the sacrifice, and a firebolt from heaven instantaneously consumed the ox, the wood, the twelve stones representing the twelve tribes of Israel, and the water licked up dry. And everyone fell on their faces in that revelation of God's power and glory and shouted, Yahweh is God! Yahweh surely is God! And Yahweh revealed himself and accepted the sacrifice. Well, what can we take away from this story that is important for our faith today? First, it's important for us to know that God is jealous. The scripture says he is a jealous God, not in the sense of being petty or insecure or accusing in a negative sense, but he's a God who will tolerate no rivals no idols among God's people. Baal and Asherah were the fertility gods of the Canaanites, and the worship of those gods included sexual acts and the sacrifice of the people's children. God said, no, I am jealous for you to be in a relationship of intimacy and love. I will have no gods before me, not in the sense of 
I have to be the number one God of your priorities, or I need you to see me as your favorite God. God says, there are no gods to be in my presence. That's why Moses quoted the Lord as he gave the Ten Commandments coming down from Mount Sinai. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. I like how Kyle Eidelman, in his book, Gods at War, writes about our modern-day idols. He talks about the temple of pleasure, where we make gods out of food and sex and entertainment. I might add, sports, our bodies, the pursuit of beauty, or long life. We also worship in the temple of power. We make gods of success, money, and achievement, fame, positions of influence and power. Or we worship at the temple of love, and we make gods of romance, even elevating family members above God. And of course, we make gods of ourselves. Eidelman writes that the gods at war clash for the throne of each person's heart. The moment we make something more important in our lives than God, it becomes an idol. Is it our source of security? Is it the object of our passion and affection? Is it the purpose of our life? Is it what motivates us day by day to live? Do we surrender our lives to its control? Then it becomes our God, our idol. Perhaps subconsciously, we are unaware that things have crept into our life that have become more important than God himself. So the contest at Mount Carmel is still relevant. By the way, Mount Carmel sounds like a Dairy Queen Sunday, doesn't it? But at Mount Carmel, God showed his power and glory in a raw, explosive, awesome, lightning bolt of fire. He revealed himself in a jaw-breaking moment, a flash of power. God showed himself infinitely greater than all the gods of the Canaanites. When we were kids, we used to say, my daddy is stronger than your daddy. A little bit of an absurd argument. Maybe we could say, Yahweh is stronger than your God, Baal. Which is a foolish way to say it, because those other gods don't even exist. Those gods are not only not as strong as Yahweh or as powerful as Yahweh, they don't even exist. The idols that we tend to look to for purpose or security or pleasure or purpose can't give us life, can't forgive our sin, can't overcome death, can't reconcile us to one another, can't pour grace over our souls, can't promise us eternal life. God instantaneously accepted the sacrifice that Elijah offered and in that moment showed himself to be God. By the way, that then became a day when Elijah called all people to a fresh commitment of faith. If God be God, then follow him. But if Baal be your God, then follow him. If God is God, even today, 
then stand up for the Lord. Speak up for the Lord. Confess your faith. Renew your commitment of love and loyalty to Jesus Christ as God. Did you know that in the book of Revelation, the harshest critique of the seven churches in the first three chapters of Revelation is reserved for the church of Laodicea? Because God said, you are neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm, so I spit you out. Could it be that we've slid into indifference in matters of faith and that other things have become more important to us than God, holding a higher authority over us than God, and so we've become lukewarm? Elijah was not only courageous to stand up to Ahab and Jezebel under the threat of death, he was courageous to stand alone before 450 prophets of Baal and 400 priestesses of Asherah under the supervision of Jezebel the queen. Today is still a day for us to decide where our loyalty lies. Who is your God? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about the purpose of life? I find it interesting also that it describes that Elijah, before he prayed for God to accept the sacrifice, repaired the altar. Someone once asked the farmer, how did your cow get lost? He chuckled and said, I suppose it was one tuft of grass at a time. Could it be that you have slowly wandered away from the loyalty of your heart to the Lord God, who's revealed his love to you in Jesus, his Son, our Savior? Today is a day for you and I to say, Jesus, you are my God, and I will serve you. There's one more mountaintop where God revealed his power and glory. That's Mount Calvary. And it wasn't awesome, raw, explosive power, but this time it was paradoxical power when the perfect and holy Son of God named Jesus was placed on a cross outside the gates of Jerusalem and his bruised and bloody body was nailed to a cross and he hung suspended between heaven and earth until he could breathe no more and said, It is finished. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And God's power was never more powerfully poured out and his grace flooded all human hearts more fully than in the moment where Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, gave his life on the cross. But there's more. On resurrection morning, all of creation shook as Jesus, the Lord of life, who was dead, was brought back to life, never to die again. And so God, in Jesus' name, shows his power and glory by offering us eternal life. Jesus is the God who saves, and the revelation of his power shows love that is beyond our understanding. Today I ask you to place your faith in him. Amen. 
Please join me in prayer. Dear Lord, you have shown your power and glory at Mount Carmel and at Mount Calvary and in the resurrection of Jesus the Lord from the dead. You are worthy of our trust. You are the Lord of grace and mercy and life. We are your servants for Jesus' sake. Turn the hearts of all people to you, O Lord. Amen. Hear this benediction. The Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face shine on us and be gracious to us. The Lord look upon us with favor and give us his peace. Amen. You've been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has provided you with the encouragement you need to stay your loyalties on Jesus Christ, who is more powerful than any other gods we may have in this world. A number of devoted Christian Crusader listeners have chosen to include this ministry in their estate planning. In this way, these donors leave a legacy of faith in Christ that extends far beyond their time on earth. To learn more about including Christian Crusaders in your estate planning, call us at 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. Christian Crusaders now broadcast on 27 radio stations in 11 states. Catelli, Kenya, shortwave in Europe, on satellite radio and on the internet, where you can find additional resources and past sermons. Visit us anytime online at christiancrusaders.org. That's christiancrusaders, all one word, dot O-R-G. We are pleased you chose to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was our associate speaker, the Reverend Lee Lavig, pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Spencer, Iowa. Christian Crusaders is privileged to have been broadcasting biblical truth continuously for the past 82 years.